I'd like to start off by wishing everyone a happy new year. I hope everyone had a great holiday and uh, now it's time to get back to business. This is going to be a little bit of an experimental podcast. Uh, there's no guests, it's just me uh, kind of just talking off the top of my head for a while. Um, the reason why I'm doing this is I wanted to get something out there to you guys uh, for the new year uh, because I'm getting ready to leave for tour, which uh, we head out tomorrow. And um, if I waited until we were done, I wouldn't have an episode out until February. So that leaves January without any kind of um, episodes or podcasting or any of that kind of stuff. So I just want to get something out there, um, you know, just so people can check things out and uh, kind of give a breakdown of what's going on right now. Um, as I mentioned, we're going on tour. We uh, were fortunate enough to have this opportunity to support 1349 on a, a more or less full U.S. tour. And uh, the first day is uh, Saturday um, in Miami, of all places, which is uh, always nice to start a tour with a 24-hour drive. <laughs> so um, tomorrow we're getting the van, loading up, and starting the long drive all the way down the East Coast to Miami to uh, kick off at uh, Churchill's in Miami. Churchill's is uh, sort of a, it's kind of, like, I, I like to think of it as the CBGBs of, uh, of Miami. It's kind of in um, kind of, you know, sketchy neighborhood. It has this sort of same vibe as CBs and uh, a, lot of, a lot of bands play there. A lot of these types of tours go through that place. And Miami's always been a pretty rad city for metal and uh, extreme music. So uh, really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be 1349 Tombs and uh, Full of Hell, who I'm not uh, overly familiar with, but uh, they seem like pretty cool guys, so hopefully the whole tour goes well. Funny thing happened to me the other day. Um, I woke up Monday morning, and my right ear uh, was swollen and red, and it was like twice the size of my left ear. And uh, over the course of the day, the entire right side of my face became red and swollen and hot you know sort of tender so I went to the doctor yesterday and um, I was running a 100.4 degree temperature which was uh, quite high <laughs> and uh, they checked me out and apparently I have this uh, skin infection called cellulitis and it was um, spreading so aggressively spreading as the doctor said so I had to I'm on antibiotics right now I feel a little bit better today um, you know, it's kind of a drag, but it's also sort of um, educational for maybe like 100 years ago or maybe 50 years ago. Who knows? Definitely 100 years ago, something like this probably would have killed me. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, I was thinking about that this morning when I was laying in bed, um, thinking about taking my antibiotic. And uh, when there were no antibiotics, I would just sort of be at the mercy of this bacteria that's 
infiltrating my system and spreading across my face and into my brain and into my lymphatic system and ultimately would take over my body and kill me. So uh, it's kind of a heavy thought. So uh, yeah, thank thank uh, the gods for uh, penicillin because uh, that's basically what they gave me, this sort of jacked up version of penicillin to take. So, uh, so yeah, I'm fortunate to live in a modern age where uh, these infections can be dealt with. I'm not sure if this is announced yet, but we have a new record coming out. Um, it's an EP, and I believe the release date is April 1st. It's uh, called All Empires Fall, and uh, we recorded it in uh, over the summer with Sanford Parker at this place called Applehead Studios up in uh, Saugerties, New York. Uh, really cool experience up there. Um, you know, if you're in a band and you're in the sort of east coast northeast region and you're looking for a really great place to track it's uh, like nine hundred dollars a day but you get um a house engineer who's awesome this dude chris who you know is a great knowledgeable easy to work with engineer uh this totally top of the line uh recording facility they got great equipment um excellent sounding live room it's made all out of wood no nails it's got these like wooden dowels that connect everything and uh the biggest selling point is the overnight accommodations there's uh these cabins that you get to stay in and actually i forgot to mention but the whole recording facility is on a farm and uh so there's all these animals around and uh you know a couple llamas um you know goats there's like this gigantic pig that lives there uh you know i think his, his name was francis bacon you know, sort of a play on the uh, bacon pig, you know, concept. But one of the cooler uh, members of this uh, menagerie is uh, this cat that lives there. It's like this male cat called Albert, and um, he was really cool. He, um, you know, hung out in our cabin with us for a while, and I was observing him because he wasn't interested in eating any of our food. You know, cats are always sniffing around looking for, you know, things to eat and that kind of stuff. And... um in the morning, I saw him getting his breakfast. It was uh, there's a pond behind the cabins, and uh, he was out there hunting. And I saw him with a tree frog, or or maybe uh, you know some sort of frog in its mouth, and went out there and hunted down and killed his breakfast, and was enjoying uh, some free range frog. So I don't know. I guess he lives a pretty healthy lifestyle out there. It's probably old news by now, and everyone's kind of had their say. But, uh, you know, Lemmy of Motorhead died, um, you know, recently. And, uh, you know, everyone has, whenever someone like this dies, there's always this big outpouring. And, you know, it reminds me of that Cop Shoot Cop song, Everybody Loves You When You're Dead, where it's like, once you're dead, you know, everyone wants to uh, be your friend and they want to, um, you know, extol all your virtues and you're dead. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, I actually, Motorhead was one of the first extreme bands I ever listened to when I was a kid. Uh, when I was growing up in Carmel, New York, which is like this small one-horse town, like not too, maybe an hour and a half outside of the city, there was a uh, record store. It was actually a book and record store, and it was named the Book and Record Store. And uh, I didn't think that was too strange back then, but it actually is kind of a weird name for a, for a, uh, for a store, the Book and Record Store. 
But anyway, that's what they had. They had books and records, and it was pretty awesome, and it was like a sort of nexus point in my development as a young man. Uh, you know, I bought most of those early records there. Uh, they had all the Robert E. Howard Conan uh, books that were re- being published at the time. And um, I remember in the health section, they had the joys of sex, which was like one of these illustrated sex manuals that, uh, you know, sort of piqued my interest when I was like maybe a 15-year-old kid. So I spent a lot of time uh, studying that while I was looking for uh, records and Conan books and, you know, Arthur Clarke novels and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, aside from the joys of sex, they had a pretty extensive record uh, selection. And this was uh, right around the time cassette tapes, uh, you know, were making their rounds. There was no CDs back then. It was just vinyl, cassette tapes, and the sort of phasing out of eight tracks, and uh, which is a very funny concept and sort of makes me feel extremely old right now. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my parents bought me this um, stereo system, and uh, it had a cassette player on it, and I was kind of bummed out that it didn't have an eight-track player on it because... My cousin had a, he had an eight track player and, uh, you know, I thought that was like the sort of cool way of, uh, checking out music. But anyway, uh, I saw the Motorhead records there and, uh, you know, I was sort of, sort of, I would say intimidated by the way the guys in Motorhead looked, you know, there was Lemmy, there's, you know, Phil Taylor and there's Fast Eddie Clark. And those are like, those are kind of like the the first records, you know what I mean? That's, I know, I know that they put out several, a multitude of other records without that lineup. But for me, it's kind of like how the first four, four Black Sabbath records are my main jam. Those early Motorhead records with that lineup were really the ones that, you know, I kind of fall back on. That's not to say I don't enjoy the later records, but you know, those were, those are the ones like, I think Orgasmatron was great, you know, and Bastards was a killer record and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I didn't buy any of those records because I was like, man, I don't know. These guys punks, do they play metal? It was So I was confused because I was, you know, I was young and I didn't really, hadn't been around enough. I mean, I was checking out Iron Maiden at the time. Um, you know, I'd gotten in some Sex Pistols. I may have discovered Black Flag, Circle Jerks, you know, that kind of stuff. Ramones for sure I was checking out. And uh, they just looked... Um, very rough and kind of a, who knows what kind of crazy music this was. So it wasn't until a couple of years later or maybe the following year, I don't know, I was in college and uh, my good friend Ken Smar, who um, he was going to Berkeley and I was uh, going to BU, Boston University. We were in Boston. And I went over to his pad and we were listening to the records and he played for me Ace of Spades. And uh, he pl- that same day, I heard Ace of Spades, I heard Master of Puppets by Metallica, and I heard um, Cause for Alarm by Agnostic Front. And uh, I was way into all that, all, all of those. And that was, I went out immediately and bought all three of those records. But, uh, but yeah, that was my introduction to Motorhead. And um, later that year, I saw Motorhead, and it was on the Orgasmatron tour. So this is like maybe 1986, 1987 at this place called The Channel in Boston. And uh, it was uh, definitely a game changer for me, man. Like, I'd never really experienced anything 
on that level, uh, you know, that sort of uh, intensity, that sort of volume. And um, I was kind of taken aback on how, like, sort of calm and reserved Lemmy was on stage. Like, I figured he would just be this savage, but he seemed like a, you know, a gentleman. It was kind of cool. So, um, so yeah, I, I became a fan. I bought a bunch of their records, um, followed their career pretty closely. And, uh, but I, you know, I kind of stopped, stopped checking Motorhead out live in the 90s. Um, I don't know, I just kind of moved on, you know. So I guess I'm not one of those diehard fans that, that, that are out there. But I got to say that Motorhead definitely um, were formative in sort of the, uh, the cultural aspects of extreme music and punk and metal. And that was always one of the coolest things about the band, too, is that, you know, they kind of defied classification. And if you ask Lemmy, he would always say that Motorhead was a rock and roll band. But they played fast, like punks liked them, metalheads liked them. Pretty much everybody um, respected Motorhead. And that's rare. And uh, even that documentary that came out, uh, they had like all these guys that were saying that, that filled in and played drums for them, you know, live. And uh, there was even that one guy that played drums in the cult and, and uh, Guns N' Roses, Matt Sorum, who, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> I guess he's cool, but, you know, his claim to fame was that he played in Motorhead once or something like that. So it is what it is, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, it's funny. Like, I was recently in Boston for my job, and um, we were driving past what used to be the channel and uh now it's like some condo i think um that whole part of boston has completely changed um back when i lived there that was like a uh, very um you know sort of run down part of town uh you know it's it was out of the way you needed to take a cab there or drive or you know or, or have a, a means of getting there besides public transportation but now it looks just like any anywhere else in any city, you know. There's like brand new stuff. There's like a Starbucks, you know, coffee place around, and people feel comfortable walking around after hours there. And uh, but yeah, I actually lived in Boston on two different occasions. Uh, once when I was in college, and then a few years later, um, I moved back there and uh, to go to be with a girl of all things. And that that really didn't work out too well. And it was a one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, actually. <laughs> Boston is associated with many big mistakes, um, one of which is my education. <laughs> Getting a degree in mechanical engineering was definitely one of the biggest mistakes that I think I've ever made. <laughs> but even though those were mistakes, there's definitely uh, some strength and learning that came as a result of that. Um, this girl, particularly, uh, you know, put me up in Boston uh, you know, when I was, we, we were dating in college and then, uh, she moved away to the West coast to go to school and all this other stuff. And I was out traveling, doing stuff with this job I had. And then, uh, we had this grand scheme of moving back to Boston and, you know, starting our lives together. But the reality is that, uh, it, it really was counter to my true nature. You know, like we were not necessarily, compatible on a fundamental level and uh but you know when you're young you don't necessarily see these things you kind of just are excited that some girl likes you and you're attracted to her and you know she's nice to you and all these things you know just, I was like 21 years old at the time so 
And who the hell knows what the hell they're thinking, you know, going through life like that. So um, I guess like her dumping me and putting me through that emotional, you know, trial, you know, made me into the person that I became. And that is, uh, you know, I'm grateful to her for that because had we, you know, gotten married and had a family and gotten into whatever career path or whatever life path that we were both on together, I don't think that we would have been happy because I would have been denying a lot of the uh, things that were important to me. Like, who knows if I would have started playing music or really taking that seriously or any of these things, you know, any of this stuff. Who knows if I'd be doing a podcast today, you know. But so I guess uh, you learn, you know. And I guess even this mechanical engineering degree business has been sort of a bane to me, you know. Stuck working, doing this stuff for a long time. Have several on several occasions, I've been able to get away from doing this stuff, but I always end up back where where I don't want to be. So, I guess in 2016, my biggest, uh, you know, my biggest goal is to once and for all um, divorce myself from that world um, and step into the next thing that's uh, you know that I have next thing that's um, in line for me. You know, so. Oh yeah, before we get before I get too deeply into this thing, let's talk about um, these my affiliate sponsors. You know, on it, big fan of on it. Actually, uh, I just took some of my on it krill oil. Um, it's a supplement that I take every day, the strong bone, which um, I also take, and that's. Um, you know, I do a lot of stuff which puts a lot of strength, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, stress on your your joints. You know, and you know, the strong bone is, I guess, the active ingredient in that is glucosamine, which is good for joint recovery. So that's why I take that. You know, a couple of years ago, I had this uh, torn meniscus, which plagued me for quite a while until I actually got it dealt with. Um, and strong bone was a, was a really big uh, part in. Um, in the recovery process. So yeah. So I still take it even though even though my knee's good, you know, I'm always getting banged up all the time. I'm always getting uh, you know, twisted and put in compromising situations. So uh, you know, the knee and other joints could could use some of that recovery. I'm also a big fan of their um of the hemp force protein, which is uh not so much a mass building power but powder, but it's a uh it's good for recovery. You know, hemp is a uh, full amino. It's almost like eating meat, really, but not quite. But, uh, you know, it's got good oils in it, good fats, and it's got the full amino chain. And uh, it also doesn't make you feel weighed down. Like back in the days when I was uh, doing a lot of heavy lifting, you know, I was into like, you know, a lot of those powders and, you know, like things with a million ingredients in it. And after you ba- you pounded one of those shakes, you would feel like you c- cement block was in your stomach that's not the case with uh hemp force protein it's a little pricey and the reason why it's pricey is because hemp you can't grow hemp in the united states isn't that silly so all the hemp has to be imported from um from canada you can sell it but you just can't grow it here and that's uh you know really stupid because hemp is uh, a great plant you can build stuff you can make uh, rope you can uh 
enjoy the psychoactive benefits of the female plant. And also, it's a great protein source. So, I don't know. I have a bunch of hemp uh, products in the house. I got my uh, Datsusara bag, which leads me to my, my other, another um, affiliate is uh, Datsusara. Um, I have a hemp Datsusara gear bag, which I put all of my equipment in when I go train. And also, it also does double duty as my tour bag. So when I'm traveling on the road, I always have that with me. And uh, this fanny pack, which I use for, you know, just utility stuff like, uh, you know, flashlights, my guitar picks, um, you know, utility knives, like things like that, you know, pens, that kind of thing. And then uh, every episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, which is my coffee company. And uh, a lot of good things are happening this year. We have the brand new Blue Monday Roast, which is my favorite. I actually drink that more than any of the other roasts. It's brand new. Um, so right now we have three roasts. We have Blue Monday, which is a Peruvian bean. We have the Dark Roast, which is a Kenyan bean. And then the Prime, which is my first uh, foray into the coffee business. And the Prime is an Ethiopian Yirgacheff bean, which um, is is by far one of the tastiest beans out there. And uh, Ethiopia is actually where all coffee strains originated. So that's why there was like this, you know, there's a little bit of a concept behind starting the coffee company with a Yirgacheff bean because it's um, sort of the cradle of civilization for coffee beans. So, you know, whatever. There you have it. So I'm running a sale on uh, the Blue Monday. So if you want to go to the web store at uh, savagegoldcoffee.com, you can use the discount code Blue Monday for uh, 10% off. And that's good uh, up until the 15th. I like science fiction. I also like subscribing to TV shows on iTunes. So I found this sci-fi uh, series. It's, it's like a mini series with three episodes. They're each like an hour and a half long. It's called Childhood's End. And apparently it was based on an Arthur C. Clarke story. Um, it was recommended to me by somebody who knows the sort of thing I'm into. And they're just like, oh yeah, this is right up your alley. It's like a little depressing. It's kind of got this like heavy vibe to it. And, uh, you know, the end of the world and all that kind of, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, it's, um, it was really cool. I, sci-fi has really come a long way, man. They got like some good shows. I remember it was sort of a joke when you would watch sci-fi TV. Uh, but you know, versus Battlestar Galactica and there's a new thing called the expanse, which is really, really good, which, um, probably going to talk about that on necromaniacs, uh, with Mike, but, um, oh yeah. Any of you out there who like horror movies, and, uh, you know, horror, sci-fi, comics, like that sort of stuff, exploitation. I do another podcast with Mike Scandato, who's appeared on this podcast a number of times, uh, called Necromaniacs. And you can get that through iTunes as well. And that's, um, that's, that's kind of our thing. But anyway, The Expanse, I think we're going to cover on there. But this, this other one, Childhood's End, very interesting. You know, one of, one of the things I've been most interested in is... is uh, you know, ancient civilizations and how there's these, you know, concepts of ancient aliens where, you know, the modern world reads into the, what these, you know, documents show as like creatures from outer space or devils or angels or are they the both things or are they the same? And this kind of plays around with that. Um, there's like this alien 
presence, this alien spaceship that visits planet Earth. This, this is the movie I'm talking about, or the TV show I'm talking about. And um, they basically solve all of our problems. And uh, they pick one guy out of all the people on Earth to be the oracle. And this, the leader, this guy named Corellan, sort of communicates with the rest of the world through this one random guy who, ironically, well, sort of, in a weird way, this guy looks like Mike Olander from um, from Burnt by the Sun and Endeavor. I don't know if any, anyone knows who Mike Olander is, but he uh, they, he looks like that guy. <laughs> so uh, they're solving all the problems of the world, like all the problems of pollution. They're creating peace. Um, they're sort of a, creating a paradise, a golden age on this planet. And um, one of the interesting things is that the Oracle says, well, humans like face-to-face contact with people. They don't um, enjoy this kind of um, secondhand information. So Corellan says, well, you're not really ready. I don't feel like uh, humanity's ready to, to receive me as uh, to receive me just yet. So 15 years go by, and now it's time for Corellan to reveal himself to the planet Earth and humanity. And uh, he comes out, and he looks exactly like a devil, like what you would look up and if you went online and you know into google images and you typed in devil that's what Corellan looks like he's got a, a tail he's got cloven hooves and wings these huge horns growing out of his head that sort of thing he's red so um so yeah that sort of sparks this idea that they'd been here before and that ancient man had chronicled their interaction with this civilization and refer to these these beings as devils or satanic or demons or demonic or whatever. So um so yeah, it's like a pretty uh, interesting ancient alien sort of angle, and um of course, you know these uh, these old the humans call them the overlords, which is a little dramatic, but as you can suspect, the overlords don't really have good intentions. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to ruin it for anybody out there who um, is interested in checking this out. Like I said, it's only three episodes. Um, so, yeah, it's not much of a time investment. Very good. Highly recommend it if you're into that kind of sci-fi, like uh, speculative kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah. Anyway, I just want to wrap this up. I got to take more, more uh, antibiotics. Hopefully I heal. Hopefully I'm in good enough shape to uh, perform this weekend and for the next three weeks on this tour. And uh, so, yeah, I hope to see some of you guys out there. Uh, drink some uh, Savage Gold coffee. I could definitely appreciate uh, some some love on that angle. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. Um, Everything Went Black also has a Facebook page. Uh, you know, just look it up on Facebook. Everything Went Black. Um if you guys want to leave some reviews, uh, do that, please. You know, it helps the standing in the, um, you know, in the iTunes ratings and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, subscribe via iTunes and don't miss a single episode, even these solo episodes. You know, I like to think that maybe someone got something out of this. So uh, anyway, it was fun. I had a good time. And I'll see you guys out on the road. And um, when we come back, I got a bunch of cool stuff lined up for February. I'll talk to you guys soon.